Assalamu alaikum. Welcome and thank you for downloading the Ministry of Dawah podcast. Search for us on Facebook and on YouTube. This week's topic is 3rd of March 1924, the day the Ummah shook. قال الله تعالى في كتاب المجيد بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ونحكم بينهم بما أنزل الله الله عز وجل he told us in the Quran and rule the people by whatever Allah has revealed when we discuss this date 3rd of March that we passed yesterday and when we discuss its significance it's just a date like any other but as Muslims it should be a date that is etched into our minds and our hearts. It should be a date where we consider the situation that we are in. And why? Because this is the date when the verse I recited, the ruling by whatever Allah has revealed was abandoned, was abolished, was eliminated from this world. And this is why as Muslims we need to really consider and appreciate the events that led to that. And we need to realize what responsibility sitting in London do we have towards this issue. Is it something we should consider or not? And when we realize as we have seen in the video, and we have seen in the video that 3rd of March 1924, 88 years ago, was the formal destruction of the Khilafah. And we know that the Kuffar had been working for many years with plots and conspiracies to weaken the Khilafah from within. And due to also weakness internally within the Muslims in understanding Islam, gradually we reach the position when eventually the Khilafah was destroyed. And the British, the very city that we are sitting in today, London, in this very city, Lord Curzon, who is the British Foreign Minister at that time, what did he say? This was something they were very open about. This is his statement. He said on the 24th July 1924, after the destruction of the Khilafah, the situation now is that Turkey, meaning the Islamic State, its end period was in Turkey, is dead and will never rise again because we have destroyed its moral strength. The Caliphate, which is the English word for Khilafah, the Caliphate, the Khilafah and Islam. And when this Khilafah was destroyed, we should realize it was a day that for Muslims the world turned upside down. It was a day where Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he said, Al-Imam Jannah, the Imam, the leader, the Khalifa of the Muslims is a shield. That shield was abandoned. When Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, As-Sultan dhillallahu fil ard, the Sultan, the Khilafah, the authority of the Muslims is the shade of Allah on the earth. That shade was no more. It was the day when that shepherd, when Rasul said, Al Imam Ra'in wa huwa Mas'ul, the Imam is a shepherd and he is responsible. That shepherd was eliminated. Therefore, we need to realize, the brothers are asking to stand up. Therefore, we need to realize that this situation is something for us. A matter which should be personal to each of us is a matter not for someone else, not just for the ulama, the scholars. 
It is for every Muslim. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he foretold, and he told us in the hadith, narrated in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, he said the knots of Islam will be undone, one after another. The first will be the knot of ruling. That was the 3rd of March 1924. That was the significance. The first will be the knot of ruling. And last will be the knot of salah. And we see when the knot of ruling by whatever Allah has revealed by the kitab and the sunnah is undone. Everything is unraveled. The zakah, the salah, the khimar for the women, the security for the Muslims, the unity of the Muslims, all of those things are destroyed. And we need to realize that that knot of ruling, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself, our beloved himself, established and tied that knot when he migrated from Makkah to Medina in the hijrah which we all mark our calendar from. And we need to consider this point. Why do we as Muslims mark our calendar when we say, what is the date? We say it is 1400 and something years after the hijrah. Right? We mark our calendar in the hijri sense. Why do we consider the hijrah as the beginning of the Islamic calendar. This was in fact began at the time of Umar radiallahu anhu when he was the Khalifa, the ruler of the Muslims. Why did he choose this date? And why did the Sahaba consent to that and accept this date? Surely if we were to think about it. What about the Nabuwa? What about the prophethood of Rasul sallallahu which began 13 years prior to the Hijrah? Why was that not the beginning of the Islamic calendar? The reason why is because when the Hijrah took place, that was the most significant event in the life of Rasul Sallallahu when he established the system of Allah. He established that Quran, that Tawheed that he was calling for in authority, in ruling in Medina, in the city called Yathrib, which was renamed Medina al-Rasul, the city of the Prophet. And that land became known as Dar al-Hijrah, the land of the migration. And after Rasul sallallahu death, he told us that in a hadith, he said, قَالَتْ بَنُوا إِسْرَائِيلِ That the children of Israel, the brother he recited in the Quran, verses related to Bani Israel, and related to the ruling of Islam, which apply to us as well. When we understand the children of Israel, Rasul sallallahu said, that their siyasa, their affairs, were looked after by the Anbiya, by the Prophets. So we know, if we read the Quran, we know Suleiman alayhi salam, Dawood alayhi salam, the Prophets used to rule over the Jews, Bani Israel. And after one died, they were succeeded by another one. So there were Anbiya being succeeded one after another. Rasul said, After me, la nabi ba'di. There is no Prophet after me. He is the one. The term Khilafah, Rasul Sallallahu is the one who taught us that term. He said, and after me, there will be Khulafa, there will be successors, and they will number many. And the Sahaba, they said, Ya Rasulullah, what do you order us? And he said, obey them, for Allah will question them for what he has entrusted them with. So we need to understand that when Rasul Sallallahu he taught us this hadith, and he, and he taught us, that there will be successors to this rule. That there will be succession and inheritors. The word khilafa and khalifa in the language in Arabic actually means inheritor. So Rasul said prophethood has ended. 
But after me, if we were to translate it literally, he says, after me, there will be inheritors, people who will come after, who will inherit what I have brought. But we know, prophethood has ended. So what did Rasulullah bring which was so significant that it requires an inheritor? What did he bring that would require somebody to inherit over our affairs? It is the same hadith when he started, he said the siyasa, the affairs of the people were looked after by the prophets. The prophethood has ended, but that looking after will continue. And it will be by the khulafa, the people who will inherit and rule by the kitab and the sunnah. And we know, indeed it was Allah Azza wa Jal, he mentioned in the Quran, أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ أَعْتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحُكْمَ وَالنَّبُوَّةِ Allah Azza wa Jal, if we look at this verse, Allah Azza wa Jal, He's saying, they are those whom He gave the book and the hukum, the ruling, and the nabuwa, the prophethood. If we look at the ulama, the scholars, they say this verse was revealed after the migration. When Rasul was establishing authority, there are many verses in the Quran, الَّذِينَ إِنْ مَكَّنَّاهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ When we established you in authority on the earth. So Allah teaches us that the Messenger of Allah, He is the one who established the ruling of Islam. And after him, what would happen? The Prophet told us, they will be khulafa, and they will number many, and when they will rule by the kitab and the sunnah. And we know their names. Every Jum'ah when we go, we hear their names. The khulafa al-rashidun, the first ones, the pioneers, the ones who are ruling, they were rashidin, the rightly guided. Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, Umar radiallahu an, Uthman ibn Affan, Ali ibn Abi Talib, we learn their names, may Allah be pleased with all of them. That these were the ones who inherited one after another. And they inherited what? They became what? The rulers of all the Muslims in the world. The Khilafah is the general leadership for all believers. The Khalifa is the one who rules the land. And looks after the affairs from what Allah has revealed. And that chain, and this is what 3rd of March is about. That chain... It continued from the time of Rasul one after another. Yes, there was a period of the best of Ar-Rashidin, but even after that, it continued. Like the ulama explained, that there was mistakes and problems that came in, in Banu Umayyah, in the Umayyad period, and the Abbasid period, and the Ottoman period. But still, Islam was established as we saw in the video. Islam was dominant, and it became the superpower in the world, until in the end, the last caliph of the Muslim, Sultan Abdul Majid, was removed from authority and power. And some of these khulafa, some of us may know their name, some of us may not. Unfortunately today, the name of celebrities, and pop stars, and Beckham, and Rihanna, and all of these people, for us would be in our minds, when we say, Suleiman Al-Qanuni, People are like, who is that? When we say Sultan Murad, who is that? When we say Muhammad Al-Fatih, who is that? Okay? So when we have to realize that there is a history to Islam, these were the people in the past, the Khulafa, who ruled in different periods of time, and that continued until that date, when it was removed with the help of the man, the shaitan, Mustafa Kamal Ataturk. May the la'na, the curse of Allah be upon him. And we must appreciate, because there are some who say, 
But no, the Khilafah only lasted for 30 years. And that is a hadith they quote. Rasulullah said there will be Khilafah for 30 years. And after that there will be Muluqiyah. There will be like a hereditary rule. Okay? A type, what people term or they translate as kingship. But when we look to the ulama and the scholars when they explain. They say yes, we have the hadith in Musnad Imam Ahmad. Where the Prophet talked about different periods of time. He said after me, there will be Khilafah ala min haj al-nabuwa. There will be the Islamic government on the path of prophethood. After that, there will be inherited rule. So there will be like from father to son. But he did not say that it will be the rule of kufr. And that is why when we look at the great imma of the Muslims, when we look at Abu Hanifa, Ash-Shafi, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, Imam Malik ibn Taymiyyah, if we look at throughout Islamic history, even in the period of oppression, even if they were imprisoned, did they ever turn around and say, we do not accept the Khalifa of the time, we refuse the Bayya, he is not the one who has legitimate right, he is not the one who is really ruling by the Kitab and Sunnah, no. They never said that. They accepted the Khulafa. Because they know of the hadith, they know of the countless narrations which talk about obeying the imam even if he whips your back. Even if he whips your back. As long as the kitab and sunnah is established, if he makes mistake, correct him, account him. But you cannot rebel against him. The hadith in Bukhari, and do not dispute with the people of authority. Illa anthro kufran buah. Until you see from them an open kufr. So we see that that continued. And we know that even scholars like Imam Al-Suyuti, he wrote in, he died in 1505. Imam Al-Suyuti, one of the great Mufassir of the Quran, one of the great ulama, he wrote Tariq Al-Khulafa Al-Muluk. He wrote the history of the Islamic State until his time. And he mentions from the time of the Prophet until his time. He says, and the Khalifa in my time, this is his name, this is his lineage. And he explains. So we must appreciate that that continued. And the Muslims became pioneers. In all fields, in science, in technology, in mathematics, in chemistry. I want to give some examples here. Just two examples to illustrate the point. The Muslims, and I want us to compare when I'm giving this example to our situation today. The Muslims presented, the Khilafah presented a gift to the emperor of Europe, Charlemagne. He was known as the king of kings. Okay. And when he, they presented a gift, the gift was, because it was a custom. In international relations, they used to send gifts. Europe at that time was not like today, at war with the Muslims and so on. They were foreign rulers. They sent him a gift, which was a clock, a mechanical clock. And when that clock was opened in the court of the ruler, all of the courtiers from the kuffar became so amazed, they were so worried, they thought he was possessed by evil spirits. Right? Because it was moving. Okay, that was the Muslims were the pioneers in technology. Whereas we saw the West was in the dark ages at that time. The second example I want to bring is George II, the king of England, the king of this country. In the past, during the Ottoman period. And this shows, exactly, this shows the Muslims became when they were united. When they had the Kitab of Allah established, it led them forward, it led them to progress. When we even heard, hear lots of words, even the word alcohol in English, its origin is in Arabic. Chemistry, alchemy, okay, algebra, algorithm, these are all from Arabic or from names like al- al- algebra, algebra. Okay, Al-Khawarizmi, one of the most famous mathematicians 
of the Muslims. They do not pronounce his names. What is the algorithm? That's how it's come about. Okay. So we must appreciate that the second example, the king of England, he wrote a letter to the Khalifa requesting him to take a group of female students who were the daughters of the noblemen within England, including the king's own niece. Because he knew at that time, today, where are the centers of learning in the world? The top universities, Harvard, Cambridge, Oxford. You go to these universities, you will find people from the Muslim world coming there. At that time, it was opposite. The king of England sending his niece to the Islamic land, the cities of Baghdad. Today, it lies in ruins. But at that time, it was the most center of civilization, the center of the thought in the whole world. Andalusia in Spain. It was the same case. So what did this king, he wrote, and this is found in a book, Arab Sovereign Factor in the Middle Ages. It's a, written by a non-Muslim author, John Davenport. He says, this was a quote from the letter, after compliments and honor, you see and compare to today. Right? This is how he starts the letter, the king. We have heard of the great and abundant achievements of the scientific institutes and production plants in your esteemed country. So we decided to have our children grasp some of these bounties which will be a good precedent of your influence to spread the light in our lands which is covered in ignorance from all sides. This is the king of this country. We have placed Princess Dubant, one of the princesses, his niece, the daughter of our brother, in order that she may be initiated in higher learning and along with her colleagues be under your blessing and will compassionately undergo the learning process. I have sent a humble gift along with the princess for your nobleness and request you to kindly honor it with acceptance. Your obedient servant, George II. This is how the king of England addressed the khalifa of the Muslims. Your obedient servant. And today they act like the masters and all the rulers of the Muslims are like dogs under them. And they tell them what to do. Look at the comparison. Subhanallah. After this date, 3rd of March, this is the date when Rasulullah's hadith then came true. When he said, after the hereditary rule, there will be mulk and jabriyan, there will be a biting oppression. <coughs> there will be a tyrannical, oppressive rule. And this is what the whole of the Muslim and the non-Muslim world is living under since that time. Subhanallah, Rasulullah said in a hadith, that one day of justice under the imam, one day of justice, is better than 60 years of ibadah. SubhanAllah, that is the power of the Islamic rule and that was abolished. And what do we see since that time in our lands? We saw in Turkey where it began. Mustafa Kemal, he tried to start to work against and he was an enemy of Islam to the extent he changed the script of the people which was Arabic to what? Latin. He even wanted to ban the Adhan in Arabic. He forced, he forced the women. It was enforced that they wear the western dress coat. They could not wear the khimar. The khimar was banned in Turkey years before it was banned in France. And Turkey is supposed to be a Muslim country. We must realize, this is what occurred in our lands. We had turmoil, problems, wars. Between Muslim against Muslim, Iran-Iraq war. The Pakistan-Bangladesh war. We had wars and occupation. Afghanistan, Iraq, Palestine in 1948, the Haram, the third most sacred mosque for the Muslims, which is something linked to the 
iman of the believers which is mentioned in the Quran, which is mixed with the blood of the Muslims. Ali radiallahu anhu, he said, would that I was a piece of straw in the bricks of Al-Aqsa. Subhanallah, that is how dear it is for the Muslims. That land was taken by the Yahud, the enemies of Allah, those who betrayed the prophets. The state of Israel was established and we see what's been happening there. They've been killing the Muslims. And we have seen now even until today, Bashar al-Assad slaughtering his own people. So the rulers of the Muslim world thought it not fighting against the disbelievers, thought it fighting against the believers themselves. His father bombed Hama in 1982. He is, we watch the news, we'll see in Homs in the city, he's destroying it, he's slaughtering. Even recently there was a video on YouTube, it's very difficult to watch, where you see that the Syrian guards, they are actually dishonoring a Muslim woman. That's just recently came up. This is the situation. We see in the land of the Haramain, the land of the Kaaba, the land where Rasulullah's blessed body is buried. What did the rulers do? Even though they claim to be Islamic, they invite America to come and kill the Muslims of Iraq. America has an air base in Dahran, in the land of the Haram. This is the situation after the 3rd of March. In our own lands, in our own countries, they have abandoned the Sharia. Look at the laws. Some of us in the audience, some of the brothers I know are from Bangladesh. In Bangladesh, prostitution is legal since the year 2000. It's true fact, go on, you go on the Wikipedia, you will see it's a, since the year 2000, it gives you all the details. It is legalized to the extent the NGOs, non-governmental organizations say there is over 100,000 prostitutes officially in Bangladesh. And this is a Muslim country. Even in this country, prostitution is not legal. Okay, they still do it by other means. In the Muslim country, this has become legalized. This is the significance of 3rd of March. We should realize indeed what Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal said is true. The fitna, the mischief and the tribulation occurs when there is no Imam, when there is no Khalifa established over the affairs of the people. On the flyer to this event, there is a quotation from Imam Ghazali, one of the most famous scholars in Islamic history. And that quotation, some of you may have read it. I want to read it, in fact it is partial on the flyer, I want to read the whole part and then explain what does he mean by that and explain the evidences behind that. When Imam Ghazali was talking about if the Khilafah was no more, if this Islamic state was no more, what would be the situation? He said, the judges are suspended, the wilayat, the authorities are nullified. He said, marriages are void in his view because the marriage, who can, who can implement the marriage? Who can be the one who enforces the marriage? It is the Khalifa of the Muslims. He was even to that extent saying that even if there is no Islamic state, how can he could not imagine? How could marriage exist? Subhanallah. The decrees of those in authority cannot be executed and all the human beings are on the verge of haram. All the Muslims are on the verge of sin. And he did not just make this statement from his own mind. He understood the evidences from the Kitab and the Sunnah. He understood the verse in the Quran, Alladina in Makkanahum fil Ard, Salah wa He said, Allah Zawajal, those who will establish an authority in the earth, they establish the Salah and the Zakah and they enjoin the Ma'roof and forbid the Munkar. 
he understood that when you establish an authority, you can implement. Brothers talk about salah. You know the ruler of the Muslims, the governor of the Khalifa, you know what he's called in Islamic history? In the books of fiqh, if you look under him, he will say, Wali as-salah. The governor of salah. Because salah is a prominent part. The establishment of salah means you punish the one who does not pray. The establishment of the salah doesn't mean just calling to the salah. It means the punish the one who does not pray. It means the education of salah from the young child to the education and the media. <coughs> this is the establishment of salah. When we see to the extent there is a hadith. So Imam Ghazali wasn't just talking from his own mind. We see the hadith says, narrated even Imam At-Tahawi mentions from Muslim Ibn Yasir, the hadith, the, the zakah, the hudud, i.e. the punishments of Islam, the spoils and the jum'ah are for the sultan, are for the authority for the Muslims. What does that mean? Subhanallah. This hadith, the ulama of Indian subcontinent, many of us are from there originally. When the Khilafah was destroyed after 3rd, in March, 3rd of March, they started to debate. Based on this hadith and other texts, they said, is the Jum'ah valid? Because the hadith says the Jum'ah is for the Sultan. They start to debate, is the Zakah valid? They came to the conclusion that of course, temporarily, and that's what they wrote. They said temporarily in the absence of the Khalifa, because he is the one who is entrusted by Allah and the Messenger of Allah. That is why they went to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, they said, Ya Khalifa Rasulullah, O inheritor of the Messenger of Allah, the Khalifa is the inheritor of the Prophet in ruling. He is the one who implements the Salah and the Jum'ah and the Zakah. So the ulama, they came to a point that yes, temporarily, in the absence of the Khalifa, we must continue these things. But in origin, it is he who should maintain them. And that is why, for example, in India, they established something called Imaratul Sharia, that temporarily to organize these things. This is the significance. Umar radiallahu anhu himself, he said, explaining the importance of Khilafah, he said, by Allah, what Allah protects and prevents by the ruler is greater than what he will protect and prevent by the Quran. SubhanAllah, what does that mean? When you read that the first time, it is sometimes shocking, confusing. That Allah protects and prevents more by the ruler, the Khalifa, the Sultan of the Muslims. And here the ruler means the ruler and those who he delegates. Obviously it's not one man who runs the entire show. He has delegates. He has governors in each place. He has mayors in each city. So the ruler through his system, the Sultan, he is the one who enforces the Sharia. Whereas the Quran, like today, whether you follow it or not, there is no one there to enforce it. That is the meaning. And we have so many narrations and we have so much text from the Quran and the Sunnah itself that establish that the Khilafah is a fard, is an obligation upon the Muslims. It is not only fard, it is something what the scholar said, it is tajul furud. It is the crown of the obligations. Imam Al-Qurtubi, one of the most famous mufassir of Quran, he said it is the Khilafah is a pillar upon which the other pillars rest. Because without the ruling of Islam, everything else, as the narrations mention, is abandoned. We know what is our status, and we should know, what is our status if we die today without the Khilafah? 
Is it normal? Is it, do we die in a normal situation as good Muslims? We cannot. There is a condition. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, and sometimes when we talk about the books of hadith, we should go to them, go to Sahih Muslim, and open, there is a book called Kitab al-Imara, the book of ruling, the book of government, and you will find the hadith, and the various narrations we find, وَمَنْ مَاتَ وَلَيْسَ فِي أُنُقِهِ بَيَّ مَاتَ مَيْتَةً جَاهِلِيَّ Whosoever dies without a bayya, a pledge of allegiance to a khalifa on his neck, dies the death of ignorance, as if he is a disbeliever. Another variation of the hadith says, whosoever dies without an imam, without a khalifa, dies the death of jahiliyyah. Another one says, whoever dies without knowing the imam of his time, dies the death of jahiliyyah. The meaning is what? The meaning is without a Khilafah and even scholars in India after the destruction of Khilafah, Sayyid Sulaiman Nadwi, one of the famous scholars, he said if the Muslims die without a Khilafah, they die as if they are kuffar. It doesn't mean they are kuffar. As if, meaning they are close to kuffar. How is the way we can rescue ourselves from this situation? The way we can rescue ourselves is to work to establish one. Because Allah cannot put something upon us more than we can bear. So surely if we work to establish it, we have an answer to Allah. Surely we have an answer on Yawm Al-Qiyamah that we work for it. And whether we achieved it in our lifetime or not, it is not our responsibility. Allah does not put a burden upon any soul more than he can bear. But we must work for it. And this is the point. Brothers, that it is a fard upon each one of us. It is an obligation to work for it. It is a priority. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saw it more of a priority than his own life. Subhanallah, he saw the establishment of the deen of Allah is what, what, what the Khilafah represents. Some people use different terms, Sultanat, Imama, they use different terms. But in principle, the Islamic State, Dawla Islamiyah, the Islamic State, it represents the ruling of Islam. Rasul said in a hadith, when the Quraysh came to bargain with him, they came to offer him many things. You know, they said, we will make you the king. They gave him many offers. Rasulullah he turned around and he said, By Allah, if you put the sun in my right hand and the moon in my left, I will not stop until what? Until Allah establishes this deen and it is dominant. Or my head departs my neck or I die. So he saw it more important than his own life. And we saw the Sahaba after he passed away. The first thing, even before the burial of Rasulullah the priority was what? They all went, were busy with the issue of appointing a Khalifa. Abu Bakr al-Siddiq was appointed and then Rasul was buried. So this matter is a priority. And let me end with some points in terms of our responsibility. What is our responsibility? Practically, how does that translate? Okay, we know it's a fard. What do we do? There are three points. Number one, gaining knowledge. Talabul ilm faridatan ala kulli muslim. Seeking knowledge is a fard upon every Muslim. So what type of knowledge? Not any knowledge. The knowledge of the deen. And here not only any knowledge of the deen, the knowledge of this subject. If, if working for Khilafah is a fard, just like praying Salah, you need to know how to pray. Right? You need to know how to pay Zakah if you have got enough money. So you need to know what is Khilafah, what is the methodology, what are the evidences, what are the rulings. So the first point is knowledge. Second point, da'wah. Rasulullah he said, Even if you know one verse propagated. Now here, 
We are talking about da'wah, not just in general. That's a general fardikifaya for Muslims. But we are talking about da'wah to resume Islam and to establish the Islamic State. This is a fard upon every Muslim today. We have to work and create awareness. All of us have tongues. All of us have the ability to talk. How many Jummah khutbahs on Friday were about 3rd of March? That you went to the masajid, everyone went to the mosque. How many of the Jummah khutbahs were on 3rd of March? Any hands? None. Why not? We have to build awareness within the Muslims. We have to build opinion so that the Imam starts speaking about these issues. We have to build opinion so that Muslims start aware, being aware. Many Muslims are not even aware about the subject. So we have that ability. And finally, Allah Azza wa Jal, He said in the Quran, He said, And help one another in bir and taqwa, in piety and goodness. This work is not an individual work. Cooperate with each other. You have to work collectively. You cannot work alone. Rasulullah mentioned the one who is away from the flock, the shaitan will catch him. You have to work collectively with others on the same mission. Because establishing the Khilafah is a, is a huge task. It will occur when the Muslims want it. We have to increase the opinion for that. We have to increase and it is all of our responsibility to do that. May Allah Azza wa Jal give us that ability and strength. Thanks for downloading this podcast. You can subscribe to it from our blogspot at centralmod.blogspot.com to receive our weekly podcast. Assalamu alaikum.